All right, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, we're going to jump in. Let me run down some stats for you that may or may not be really depressing for you. The average school day in Texas is about 7.17 hours. And for the average high school student, they carry about two and a half hours worth of homework per day out of that seven-hour school day. Some of you are like, I heard that. And some of you are like, try three and a half hours. I'm in all AP classes. You carry a lot of homework. The, the average school in Texas goes to school 180 days. So if you're doing math at home, if you're doing quick math in your head, the average high school student, and for that matter junior high, is probably somewhere around it, spends 1,740.6 hours in or working on school per year. That's 20% of your year spent in or working on school. That's a fifth of your life. And if you, if you take out the hours that you're sleeping, over half of your waking hours are spent in or working on school. Some of you are depressed. <laughs> but this is a reality. You spend a large chunk of your time in or working on school. It's part of the season of life that you're in. I'm not saying it's bad. The point of this sermon today is not to be like, school's terrible, let's all quit. It's not the point. It's not the point. Don't go home and tell your parents, you know what Kate preached on today? I'm dropping out. No. Just make it clear, we're recording this. No. But here is the point. You ought to be asking the question in light of this sermon series. How do I worship God? In school. Because if you're a Christ follower, you're spending a large amount of time in a place called school and you ought to be asking the question, how do I worship God there? Because we've been in this series now for three weeks. Talking about worship, seeing that worship is more than a song, seeing that worship is actually all of our life. It affects every area of our life. So if we are followers of Jesus, it certainly affects the area of school. How do we worship God in school? But we'll establish some kind of base level things for worship from Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. If you'll remember, we're going to move through this and lay that grid over school as we apply it. So let's read Romans chapter 12, 1 through 2. The words of God say this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we've asked a couple of questions of this text. First, why should we understand all of life as an opportunity to worship? Look back at verse 1. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, by what? By the mercies of God. He is talking about the gospel of Jesus that he has spelled out at length in Romans 1 through 11. This gospel that says, you and I are in rebellion against God with this stuff called sin. We have chosen our own way, each one of us. We are born in it and we choose it. 
We have rebelled against God. As a result, we are separated from God. We cannot have a relationship because of our sin. And yet God in his goodness, in his grace, rather to use the word of Romans chapter 12, in his mercy, sends Jesus to come and live the perfect life that you and I were supposed to live. God required perfection and Jesus was. But God also required payment, blood payment. So somebody had to die and it was supposed to be you and I, but Jesus was the one that died. The perfect one, dying in our place. And he went into the grave, and three days later he rose from the dead as the victorious king, defeating sin, death, and hell. And now for everyone who puts their faith in him, who says, you are Lord and there is no other way to God but through you, they come into a restored relationship with God through faith in Jesus, belief in this gospel, the mercies of God that Paul is talking about, we get restoration with God. The relationship is established as it should be because of Jesus in our place. And Paul says, I'm appealing to you by that truth, by the mercies of God. What is he appealing to us to do? To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Paul says that we worship God with all of our life because the gospel transforms all of our life. Therefore, we surrender all of our life to God. This gospel, if you are in here and you're saying, yes, I'm a Christian, this gospel that you say that you believe does not just transform your moral life, your, like the decisions you made, your school life, your church life, it affects all of your life. That's what, that's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You used to be one way in your sin, and now you are something completely different through your belief in Jesus. It has transformed every single part of your life. Jesus meets with this guy named Nicodemus in John chapter 3, and he says, what do I have to do to be saved? And he said, Jesus says to him, you have to be born again. And he's confused. He's like, that doesn't work. I'm like an adult, man. But he's talking about you have to be transformed into something new, because belief in this gospel transforms Every part of you, all of your life, you are born again. You are made something completely different because this gospel that you say that you have believed doesn't just transform the decisions you make, doesn't just transform you being moral or not moral. It transforms every single part of your life. And if you think that it only affects the way that you act at church, if you think that we've believed Jesus just to be a little bit more moral. You've missed the point of Christianity. We believe the gospel because we are dead, left to ourselves in our sin. And Jesus makes us alive, transforming every single part of us. So I don't know where some of you are. You might not be a follower of Jesus, or maybe you're a follower of Jesus who just thought, I believe Jesus so I can like, just be a better person. That's not Christianity. None of it is. Christianity is you're dead in your sin and Jesus makes you live, transforming every part of you. So as a result, we do what Paul says. We surrender our life. We lay our life down as a living sacrifice. As our spiritual worship. He calls it worship So the definition that we've been running with in this series for worship is this. Worship is the surrendering of all of our life to God in response to who God is and what God has done in Jesus. 
It is a laying down of your life, every area of it, as an appropriate response to what God has accomplished and who he is. Well, how is that worship accomplished? What does it look like to worship God with all of our life in every area of our life? Well, the the first couple of things, or the the two things we find in verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The first thing to understanding how all of life is worship is the first thing is this, is it's accomplished by rejecting conformity. Paul says, don't be conformed to the world. Don't fit into their mold because the culture that you live in is discipling you to fit into their mold. You must be like this. You have to function like this. We talked about that with social media. We talked about that with relationships. And we'll talk about that tonight with school. How are you being co- tempted to conform, to fit into a mold? Paul says, reject that. You cannot worship God with all of your life unless you understand how are you being tempted to conform and reject it. So you reject conformity. You don't have to fit into that mold. And the second thing Paul says is he says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So worship of God in all of our life is accomplished by a transformed mind. A transformed mind. A different way of thinking. And when we think differently, he says in chapter 2, That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So maybe for some of you, you're saying, okay, I want to worship God on social media, in my relationships, and in school. But what does that look like? When we transform, when we're transformed by the renewal of our mind, we understand God's will for that. So then the question is, how do we operate in school in a way that's worshipful? I mean, it's a fifth of your life, friends. That's a lot. And if we're not counting sleep, it's even more than that. You're in school a lot, so we ought to ask the question, how do we function here in a way that's worship, worship to God? Well, the first way, let's, let's just use Paul's template in verse 2. How are the ways we're being tempted to conform? He says, don't be conformed to this world. So what are the ways that we're being tempted to conform? What are the ways we're being tempted to fit into a mold when it comes to school? First way I think is this. You're being tempted to conform in this way, to worship school, to worship school. Now, for many of you, you're like, dude, I don't worship school. I hate school. But here's what I'm talking about. You, you can identify that you worship school by asking yourself a couple of questions. Ask yourself, is my sense of worth, my value as a person, my satisfaction, my sense of achievement found in how I perform at school? Do you find yourself consistently thinking about or worrying about your class rank or your GPA? Because that's what you're pitched all day long. I'm not knocking your counselors and everybody that's setting you up for success. But from the, from the jump, you enter into, some of you enter into junior high and some of you enter into your freshman year. And the jump is, you better start getting ready now because you go to college in X number of years and you want to have a great GPA and you want to have a great class rank because if you don't, you're not going to get into the college of your choice. And if you don't get into the college of your choice, you're not going to get a good job. And if you don't get a good job, you're not going to have a good family and your life's going to be over and you're probably going to be homeless. And we start panicking. You're like, oh my gosh, I, just, I, have, to, I have to get a 5.0 now. I have to. I have to. 
And we live and die by these class ranks and these GPAs and the grades that we get. And some of you are so stressed out all the time because of school. Again, hear me. I'm not saying that school is bad. I'm saying the mentality that we bring into school might be bad. So are you worshiping it? Are your moods during the day based off the grades that you received on an assignment? Do you find yourself up or down based on the grades you received? Got an A? I'm crushing it today. Got a B? It's the end of the world. I mean, some of you live there. You're like a B. That's, that's not even a letter in my alphabet. It's A or A+. Some of you are like, God, I'm praying for Bs. But for those of you who worship school, you live and die by the grades and the numbers and the rank. Are you more more concerned with getting an A no matter what it costs you? No matter if it costs you sleep, no matter if it costs you relationships, no matter if it costs you eating, no matter if it costs you your integrity. I just need an A. So I'll look on or I'll take from or I'll, I'll take whatever. I'll do whatever it takes. I just need the A because my GPA has to be and my class rank has to be because I need to get into. If that's you, you need to ask yourself the question, do I worship school? Because listen to me, school is an idol that will not satisfy. Somebody smarter than you. And you might get into the college of your choice. That's awesome. But then what? You get grades, you get a degree, you get a job. 15 years from now, nobody cares about your high school GPA. Nobody in a serious conversation in a professional environment has ever asked me, hey, Kate, what was your high school GPA? Loser. I mean, it just never happened. Some of you live and die by it. I'm not saying don't be excellent. I'm saying don't worship it. There's a difference. There's a difference. How else are we being tempted to conform with school? Maybe you're not in the category of worshiping it. Maybe you're on the other side. You're just rejecting it altogether. You're the person that's like, school is dumb. Like, who needs this anyway? Aren't we more progressive than this? I'm sitting in my math class going, I'm never going to use this again. This is stupid. English, who needs it? Well, you speak it. I mean, you're that person. Why do I have to go? It's so dumb. I can't believe the government makes me do this. My, my parents, they hate me. They make me go to school every day. And you reject it. You reject it as a gift. This might be you. You can ask yourself these questions. Do I consistently find myself thinking that school is a waste of time? A big joke? Who needs it? You might be identifying that you're rejecting school as a gift. As a gift of God's common grace. It's, it's probably that you're in one of those categories. There's, there's generally not a middle on that. I'm either worshiping it or I think it's the dumbest thing on the planet. Right, But we need to reject both of those. 
That's a way you're being tempted to conform. That's not honoring to God. So then how do we operate in school in a way that is worship to God? First thing. Worship God, not your grades. Worship God, not your grades. God's better than your grades. Listen to me. Look at me when I say this to you. Your relationship with God, your stance before God, your approval before God is not based on your nine weeks report card. So get it in your soul. God is not looking at your GPA going, you could have done better, couldn't you? I mean, I sent Jesus to die after all. You could have at least got straight A's. And it sounds ridiculous in this moment, but some of you live there. Some of you get on that hamster wheel and run and run and run until you're wiped out. Wondering, am I good enough? Shove that idol down. It won't give you what you want. Worship God, not grades. Well, how do I do that, Cade? Do I just like stop doing my homework? No. No. You, you don't shove this idol down by like, okay, so, I mean, I, I remember you telling me before like big stream about things that you're in sin over. So I'll, I'll shove the idol down. I'll just stop going to school. No. Well, then how do we do that? How do we deal with this idol? The second thing, the way that we worship in school. Have the right motivation in school. Have the right motivation in school. Colossians 3, 23 says this. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. The way that you operate in school has more to do with you serving Jesus than it does your parents or your teachers or your principal or the college that you want to get into. It has more to do with Jesus than anything else. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for man. The scorecard for man is GPA and class rank and grades. The scorecard for God is Faithfulness, excellence. Did I, did I give my best? And at the end of the day, wherever the grades fall, wherever the rank is, and whatever the GPA is, we'll trust God with the rest of that. We'll believe that he's big enough to handle it. But work with the right motivation. For the achiever, for the one that worships school, this ought to provide you good perspective. School is more about serving God than being in the top 10%. For the one that rejects school, for the lazy, this ought to motivate you. If you're claiming to be a follower of Jesus, how you approach and talk about and operate in school has more to do with you than you think. I'm not saying we have to be the smartest people, but as followers of Jesus, we ought to be the most faithful people. That's the measure. That's the measure. Last thing, for what's the new way of thinking about school and worshiping there? You'd embrace school as a gift. You'd embrace school as a gift. 
believe it or not, school is a means of God's common grace. What do I mean by common grace? It's grace that he extends to the entire earth, regardless if they're Christ followers or not. School is a gift of God's common grace. Just go watch a video or read an article of someone who could not go to school for quite some time. They have received education and they see it as a gift. How? How is it that education is a gift? Here's just one really like practical, you're going to think, this is dumb, Kate. But just think about this. School has given you the ability to read. And with the ability to read, you know what you're able to do? You're able to read the Bible and hear from God. If you weren't educated, you couldn't do that. So that's a gift. Because this is the primary way we hear from God. And apart from school and a teacher sitting down with you, helping you sound out words when you were four, you wouldn't hear from God like this. That's a gift. It's a gift. School's also a gift because it gives you a place to live on mission as a Christian. God has given you a place to go to every day or once a week where there are people there that are not followers of Jesus. And he has put you there in his sovereignty to say, open your mouth about Jesus. Some of you see school as the place you want to avoid, but the reality is, is God in his sovereignty has put you there to say, go and do it. Go live on mission. Go speak the gospel and see people come to faith. Some of us don't see it that way. Some of us just want to be like, we just want to be done. We're over it. We can't get out of high school, junior high, fast enough. I'm not saying let's just linger and repeat like, oh, I'm going to take a victory lap in high school. That's not a good idea. But be faithful with the days that you have. There are people at your school that if they died today would be in hell. And you're there on purpose to speak the gospel to them, to say this is the way to life. Come and believe. It's a gift because it gives you a place to live on mission. And finally, just not spiritually at all. School's a gift because a large majority of the jobs that you want require you to go to school. You want a job one day? Go to school. You want a job to take care of your family, to get paid, to buy a house, to buy the cars that you just like look at and you're like, man, when I'm wealthy one day, I'm going to get that car. You're going to need to go to school. If you think you're going to flip burgers at McDonald's and make a hundred grand a year, you have got another thing coming, my friend. You got to go to school. Of some kind. It's a gift. It's a means for you to thrive. So see it that way. Don't look at it and reject it. Embrace it as a gift. How are we going to redeem the time that we have in school? Are we going to worship it? Or are we going to reject it? Or are we going to worship God? See it rightly. And embrace it as a gift that it is. And say, God, we're going to leave all the results to you. We just want to be faithful here. Because that's what the scorecard is.